0: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Muslim Moms Podcast with Nabiha and Warda. We are two sisters with 10 kids between us, sharing our experiences about motherhood, relationships, and striving to build happy Muslim families. Let's get cracking. Today's question is
1: Have you ever been discriminated against? What do you yes. say, Warda? Yes, yes I have. I have definitely experienced discrimination in many scenarios, many age brackets um of my life growing up in South Florida. Um it's it's it was a reality of my situation and I I would I w- I want to say I, that you're going to have the same answer, but I'm still going to say do you have the same answer? Yes. I mean, we grew up <laughs> together. So, yeah. Considering you're in you. half of my stories and thoughts and memories. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I knew the answer was going to be yes. But as I started to jot down notes, um, I realized that there has been quite a handful of instances that really stand out to me and that kind of are highlighted when I think back to my childhood. And it's interesting now because I, most of the examples are times that I remember being discriminated against was in my childhood. <laughs> you know, as an adult today, I don't know if I've just grown such a muscle to like not even notice it anymore, or if the world has gotten better, or <laughs> what the situation might be, um, which we know that the world is is definitely uh, get, going through a lot of changes, good and bad. Um, so you know, I don't know i don't I don't experience it as much now as an adult. I think I'm just really really um not as in tune to it to be honest, but let's get into it. I mean, do you want to share some examples from your past?
0: I or mean growing up especially up there's you? there's so many different instances growing up that I recall of just going through and being the first hijabi in my school who there was nobody else you were
1: <laughs> a trailblazer for a lot of you were like the first for a lot of things in our family being the eldest. um, And of course our parents were figuring it out a little bit with like Islam and Muslim and being immigrants. And, you know, it was a lot. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of different times that have
0: occurred. And it's interesting that you mentioned that you have not been attuned to it as an adult, or you haven't seen as much against you as an adult because I kind of experienced the opposite of it. I find more as an adult and especially as a mom, even more so than when I was as a child. And you know we had many cases as a child yeah, where we were yeah, discriminated against. So I don't know if it's the location of where we are and the or maybe the time frame in which we're living, but mm-hmm. one um memory that sticks out specifically was during 911. Um I had just started college that during that time and the discrimination against Muslims was so rampant and so, you know, it was so much that it touched every person who was Muslim or non Muslim in some form or another. I know other people who were not even Muslim, but they were wearing a turban or they were just you know they looked somewhat Arab. they were getting discriminated against and that time is very distinct in my memory because I was an adult and I was in college, and I was more aware of it of how people were being discriminated and I remember it very uh clearly because. Um, I hadn't met my husband at that time, but his stepfather had died in the trade center incident. And he has a completely different image of going on the ground and ashes everywhere and looking for his stepfather and all of that. That But hearing all that later on when I did meet him and realizing what a different impact it had on people who lived in that area of the New York, New Jersey Mm -hmm. area, and then how it progressed throughout the entire US, it was traumatic. I mean. We stayed, I remember our parents let us, we stayed home for two weeks straight. My dad went to the grocery store. My mom didn't go anywhere neither did any of us because it was so everywhere. Are people, yeah. yeah,
1: So it was very trying times, um, I think. And that I think can be marked as a sort of a shifting point for a lot of people. And I know that 9-11 in general impacted Muslims in, in a variety of ways for some people that marked them coming to Islam and for others, it marked them leaving Islam yeah. and then everything in between. So it was just a very interesting time to be alive and to be a young person. I was starting high school when all that started occurring. Yeah. So, um, but I find it funny though, because I think back and like a lot of my memories happened before nine eleven. So it's interesting because a lot of times I think like the greater world thinks that discrimination against Muslims, like sort of, began like the roots of it is in nine eleven. And of course, like we grew up in a city that um it was kind of like more of a less diverse city. Um there wasn't too many people of different backgrounds and cultures. And so it was definitely different um when we went to school. I do remember, you know, we had youth groups at that time and we had a sleepover um a camp at our house and we took all of the people, you know, we went to different field trips for the youth group and one of the places we went, do you remember? We went bowling. I knew you were going to say
0: this bowling alley story. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I always wanted to be a lawyer as a child. So civil rights was just kind of my thing. Like I was like really into standing up for your rights and the care campaigns and all of that. So we went to the bowling alley. Um, you know, we were all visibly Muslim hijabi women coming in with, you know, a youth group of all young children wearing scarves and all of that. And somehow they lost our reservation. Um, and not only did they lose our reservation, according to them, there's no lanes available. And we look at the lanes and they're like a third full and the rest of it is empty. Yeah. So it was a clear case of them just not wanting us to be there. And it would have been, you know, something if it was just like our family. But like we have all these kids who pay to come and go bowling yeah. for an event. So, you know, the youth leaders at the time, my mom and some of our friends' moms, you know, they had to take a stand and they said, you know, that's not acceptable. Like, you know, and and I was fortunate in my opinion, I was fortunate to be, um, I kind of like stuck around with one of the moms who went to meet with the manager and I saw her conduct herself. She was a... Uh, She was just so strong, powerful woman. And it was just a very strong memory for me because basically she threatened to call the cops. You know, she's like, look, you the guy, you know, told um, the youth leader part of our group that he's not going to service us. And if we don't leave, he's going to call the cops. And she's like, I'm here. Go ahead. Call the cops. I was like, whoa. Like as a child, it was so wonderful. I felt like I was in like a civil rights movie, you know. And, but that was the reality, you know, of, of certain situations. Another one was our pool. We have so many pool stories, right? Navia? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. As children, them telling us we can't swim wearing that attire, you know, our, our 1990s version of hijab, you know, today the swimsuits are so fabulous, but <laughs> they were not the modest swimsuits were not fabulous back then. It was just, you know, street clothes, basically trying mm-hmm. to make it work. Um, you know having to deal with that and watching my mom argue with them as to why we have to dress this way and and each instance we came out successful if you recall like we yeah. came out with the the people eventually you know conceding i think we have to give credit to our mom though who really
0: during that time she was just such a force to be reckoned with like i didn't want to mess with her yeah. and she knew her rights and i think even that sister you we were mentioning earlier she, they knew their rights and they knew yeah. that they were here, they were American, and they were going to not tolerate people taking their eyes and just like dismissing mm-hmm. us and not servicing mm-hmm. us in that way. They wanted us to be able to stand up and I think it was a powerful example for us. Oh yeah, as young people watching our parents and our elders taking a stand and kind of like showing us a way, of modeling that discrimination is something that you don't just sit and take. it's something that you actually can fight back against with your words and you can. Come out victorious, because as you mentioned, I mean, there were a few times when I I recall that our mom just kind of took us because there were so many of us um, at the pool and the people were not letting us at one point. And Mm -hmm. she did take us and leave with us without us getting to use the pool. But most of the time, she did come out victorious. But mm-hmm. you know, as a mother, having your children and having that scenario, I can only imagine what went through her head. It's so painful because y- you have your kids there. We're so excited to go swimming, and then here they are in the public pool. They're not allowing you to go through and do all these things um, that they would allow any other normal family to do. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever experienced it with your kids growing up? Like having your kids, have you ever had any discrimination
1: while your kids were with you? You know. It, it's quite possible that people have said things to me or made, uh, nonverbal assertions to me, dirty looks, dismissing me, rude behavior. But wallahi, I just don't even notice it anymore because, um, it's just hard for me to like spend my time and energy on that. And actually all of these instances that we have gone through, you know, growing up and, and just in general, like being an American Muslim woman have led me to the point where I feel like I've made it my goal and my mission to just like be the example of like dismissing stereotypes. Like I know it's not my job. Like every woman kind of feels that pressure sometimes. Like I don't want to represent the whole religion or I don't want to be that, yeah. that, but at the end of the day, you know, it's up to you what, to what degree you want to take on that, that task. Um, And I felt like I had a lot to offer in the, in the way of just being a friendly face Um, I'm an educator. I'm out in the schools all the time. Like I might, I'm very aware that I might be the only Muslim interaction that many of these children and parents and people from different circles than Muslim community circles, will ever interact with, you know, for, for many years, perhaps for their whole life. I hope not, but that's a lot to take on, but it's also a really comforting feeling to know that I have the control to kind of mold their image. And, Everyone has bad days. Some days you just don't feel like talking to people yeah, or, you true. know, you just want to go in and return your items and be on your way. <laughs> yeah. But those times that, you know, you just kind of shift your mindset that, look, I have an opportunity to instead of just going to the library program and sticking to myself with my children, let me go and let me volunteer. Let me be uh overly friendly and, you know, not inauthentic, but in a way that I let my children see that they are, just as welcomed as everyone else. like There's no need for us to feel different because of the fact that their mom looks visibly different than the rest of the kids. And I I think that's important to note because
0: in this society especially, I I think it, it has a lot to do with the way we were raised because our parents, even though they were the typical immigrant story when they came over here with kids and trying to raise a family in a new environment, not having much education and really finding their way, So you were actually first born in, in this country and I was born in our country of Guyana. So I was only three years old when I came to this country. So we kind of had that experience of being raising with this American confidence or this like know your rights kind of mentality where you do not apologize for taking up space. Like we do not feel that we are need to be scared about being in a place at a certain time. We, we're very confident in that matter. And I think it's a lot of credit due to our parents and exposing us to many of these different arenas in which we could sometimes good, sometimes bad experience things that may not have been pleasant, but really learning and seeing how they dealt with it and making ourselves better.
1: Yeah. And, and that just shows, like you mentioned, like being brave and and a role model for, for your children and for other families, you know, that may not have that opportunity to have that voice it it really does make changes happen. Like that is how those small, different gestures and, and you know, it, it leaves an impact on people. And I think it's also allowing you to be a little vulnerable because you may not always um, have a chance to share your story with everyone. But if you get a chance to explain to some people, I remember my husband when uh, his company had a training at the airport. And he went with them and they're all going, you know, together. They had to go through the TSA security and all of that. And then they're like, where's Arkham? Like, they're wondering where he is only to find out that the, the security actually stopped him and not mm. the rest of them. Yeah. And so some of his other colleagues of, of you, know, you know, white color, skin color and stuff were so surprised because they had never even thought. Of the struggle that a brown person, you know, for, for lack of better words, um, experiences at the airport and, and the stress associated with that, that he couldn't the even. random get a view, profiling that occurs. Even though he was part of this, the program that was involved. Um, and for, for my husband, it was just like, yeah, this happens every time. Like it's, I under, like this is another day, but it was just so interesting to see their reaction and, and bringing them into our world in that way is really important, I think. And I think a lot more people are becoming more aware
0: of discrimination and especially with the reckoning that happened in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement and just in general, people are starting to have those conversations with people who are different than them and really understanding where they're coming from. That's the only way we're going to become better is by having engaging your neighbors, engaging your coworkers in difficult conversations so that we can really understand where are you coming from? And how does this affect you? So I'm sure for those people, it was eye opening to them because they always considered him as part of their group, not as an yeah. other as what the police in the in, in that situation saw him as. Mm-hmm. so airports are always you just hold your breath <laughs> at the airport seriously <laughs> that's a lot of times the level. <laughs> yeah the amount of times I get pat down I'm just like all right do a little massage of the back sister it's all right we're good <laughs> like yeah it's it's it happens regularly but one incident that I recall uh when I had my kids and it wasn't that long ago I had about two of my kids with me and um I was in a store and it, we were just you know looking around and I remember going in one aisle and. um With the shopping cart and then I see one of the workers following me and it was an older white woman and she I go to the next aisle she follows me again and I go to another aisle she follows me again and I was just like turned off like what is she thinking in her mind like why is she following me because I frequent the store very regularly and I often talk like I know the manager I'm very a regular customer So, you know, it really turned me off. And especially because I had my two young ones with me that I just kind of like, I just got upset and I said, I'm just going to leave. Like, I'm just, I'm not in the mood for it today. And I was about to walk off. And as I was about to like near the exit, I realized that, you know what? No, this is not okay. That I should not be chased out of a store by someone who, whatever she may perceive me to be doing, it's not okay. So I decided I'm going to go back and file a complaint with the manager who I actually knew. And I went and it was in, it was so funny because the manager is an African American young woman mm. who was in charge of the store. And I told her, I was like, this lady is just following me and I don't understand what's happening. I don't know if I'm being profiled or discriminated against for whatever reason, but this needs to stop. And what really made me stop in my tracks rather than just walking out the store was looking at my children. Mm. Cause I'm like, I don't want my son and my daughter to be in this position. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, where they don't feel comfortable in the store and they have to leave because of how they look or because of the color of their skin. So I decided to turn back and just complain. And, you know, the manager was very gracious and she said, yeah, she'll deal with it. Um, but it was something that stood out to me because when you have your children, you have to really make sure, is this going to be a dangerous situation? You have to analyze yeah. what's happening around you because in these times, especially, things can get out of control very quickly. Yeah. So it's it's something um, called situational awareness, and and I often t- try to teach my children this. In which wherever you are, you're kind of aware of your surroundings and who's around you. If you're walking in a parking lot, if you're in a parking garage, wherever you are, just be aware because you never know. We don't want to make ourselves an easy target. So it's it's something I would encourage mothers, especially, don't get distracted when you're walking out, like with baby bags and kids are screaming make sure you're always aware of your surroundings.
1: Yeah, that I'm so glad you brought that point up. Because when we talk about, like, all what you just mentioned and discrimination and people who just have, you know, there's people who don't know genuine ignorance. And then there's people who are just genuinely hateful. When you get into that category, like you definitely want to exercise safety. And I know, like, for me, personally, I never go anywhere without pepper spray, I'm always um, I took a training um, to have that pepper spray with one of the local organizations that were distributing the pepper spray and saying that, you know, so many Muslim women are not aware of how to conduct themselves in a very safe manner. Sometimes it's whether it's because they grew up very sheltered. Or they're just genuinely very naive and they don't yeah. realize that the world is what it is. And that training really opened my eyes because, um, you know, he just explained that, you know, you should always have it in hand as you're walking from store to parking lot. Transition zones are key. Um, and if anyone comes up on you and you accidentally spray them, they shouldn't have been coming up on you, you know? Yeah. Like you, you just need to be cautious and realize like trafficking is another thing. Um, our, our sister in law, Uh, as a social worker and she talks to us, you know, she's told me about trafficking and how these things are all around us, you know, and and we shouldn't turn a blind eye and not realize that it can take, it can go into a very scary realm very quickly, like you mentioned. So safety does, it it is a real issue indeed. Um, But I also um, think sometimes it just means having a conversation. Like it's not going to be as scary all the time. You know, a lot of times we're afraid of a confrontation but the confrontation could just be a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, people just don't know what to say sometimes, or they don't know how to react um, or, you know, they're, they have, they were raised, you know, they're expecting you to be a certain way. The conversation can go a really long way. Um,
0: One of the things I always get asked is,
1: wow, your English is so good. Really? <laughs> just like,
0: yeah. And I'm just like, what were you thinking? My like, like, I grew up here. So yeah, my English is the way I speak. That's I'm American. So uh, it, it, it's odd to me when someone does ask me that. But to them, they have a certain image based on the movies they've seen or the experiences they've had that I should have an accent or I should be speaking a different language. And I wish I was speaking a different language mm-hmm. sometimes, but I'm not. So uh that's just one of the stereotypes that I get. And I approach it very friendly and just like, nope, this is I grew up here. This is how I speak.
1: And I, and I see we see more and more, you know, specifically Muslim women in scarves and hijabs, getting representation in mainstream box stores, advertising, yeah. and becoming models for clothing stores. And, you know, there's a lot more being done to show a little more representation, um, TV shows, all of that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, discrimination still happens. Racism still happens. It's something that is systemic in nature and does require um, more than just, you know, talking about it. You know, there are things that need to be done. And sometimes it means, like you said, you know, talking to somebody's manager, getting somebody in trouble. (laughs) Um, Do you remember one time we went to a pool gym, you and I, and there was an elderly male Man, uh, who was in the pool area. I think he was in the jacuzzi, right? Yeah. And we were in like the part where we were doing laps and he, he confronted us, right? He came up and he was just telling us like we don't belong here. And we were just like rolling our eyes, like, seriously, like, do we need to deal with this when we came to relax, yeah. and exercise? Um, so we went to the manager and same thing. It was a young African American male. And he was so cool about it. And he just let us know that he's totally on our side, that they don't welcome that kind of behavior. And and just like allowing him to see what his, you know, the people who are at the gym feel and think sometimes. And, you know, experiences like that happen day in and day out. It, it does put a bad taste in your mouth, though. I just I just yeah. wish there was a way around it. You know, it can ruin your day sometimes. But yeah. I think to know is that you really should report these incidences, mm. because if you if you don't report it,
0: it's as if it doesn't happen or, uh, uh, you know, and we want them to be fixed. We want the changes to occur. I used to work for care and we used to see a lot of uh, discrimination cases that would happen. And oftentimes the people would be nervous and they'd be scared. And they're like, they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to make things difficult, that it's going to have some kind of backlash on themselves and their family. But unless someone rocks the boat in some way or another, someone pushes it a little bit, that's the only way for change to occur. So we need to be those people. If we can be brave and we need to report these incidents. We should not just take it. Uh, make sure that you're active in yeah. trying to correct it if you can.
1: And and I think that does extend, I think, uh, to females in general. You know, we're we're talking to our Muslim mom population and I find like, you know, Sheryl Sandberg uh had done a TED talk a while back with her lean in concept like take a seat at the table um don't don't just like the only way you're going to really make change is you got to be there you got to be in the front row you got to be sitting where it matters and her whole concept was like a lot of women when they go to like conferences um meetings in conference rooms and they have the opportunity to sit at the table. They tend to just sit on the side or they sit in the chairs. And, and you know, she was trying to express the importance for women. If you want to be part of being leaders in the world, you have to take a seat. And I extend that concept to us as moms when we look at soccer, you know, preschool, PTA, PTA, <laughs> PTA is a big one, yeah. school board. There's not enough. Muslim moms out there really stepping up and like really being that mom that's taking that, being involved. Um, so if you have an opportunity to be a leader in, in a capacity, that's a wonderful thing. You should consider that, you know, and, and try your best to be that leader because it does make a huge difference. That All those that come after you, that you've established something, you get the reward. If you're the one that teaches the teacher about what halal meat is, Imagine now that teacher has that information for every student that comes after that they can now reference, so it is a powerful and it is something that is has great reward involved in it as well.
0: yeah, I remember our dad growing up um, in middle school and high school. He had told me that whenever you join a club or some sort of organization, seek to be on the leadership, whatever it is, I would seek to be in that leadership position, whether it be Secretary of National Honor society or the president of the Toastmasters Club, or even just the, uh, what was it, director of membership, I think, for Ecology Club. These little (laughs) roles, but I wanted a seat at the table, and I was taught that from very young. Whatever you're joining, be on uh, a team in which you can, your voice will have power. So that's a a very good thought to echo for anyone joining any of these groups. Don't just be in the group as, as a follower. Try to be in those positions because you do have an impact on the change that can occur. Um, My son, I I was talking to him um, because, you know, with coronavirus happening, a lot of Asian Americans were being targeted and they were being harassed and discriminated against and a lot of violence. And he somewhat has an Asian look to him. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to tell him that, you know, this is occurring and explaining to him that people are being discriminated against just by the way they look. And even though he's not Asian directly in the sense of being, you know, from a country Mm -hmm. like that, but he looks that way. And I wanted him to be aware of people, you know, having that, have this conversation with him because I know in school, he's not currently in school, he's doing virtual school. They have so many drills that they have to do. And just in terms of safety for uh, active shooters and all of that. So talking to your kids about these things and letting them know what's going on in a way that they can understand and that discrimination does occur, whether or not they are aware it's, it might happen to them.
1: Yeah, that's, that's something that I am interested to see unfold in the years to come, because my children are now getting to that stage where they're going to ask more questions, and we can discuss the current events a little bit more, uh with more understanding. Um So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes over the years. And of course, you know, the concepts are not alien to, you know, the Islamic concepts that we study of justice, you know, and, and equality and treating people fairly. um, It's all there. So it's just very interesting to do it in the context of, you know, whatever they may be experiencing.
0: So there's so much more to discuss about this topic. In general, there's a lot more stories we could tell. But I think we should try to get into our what's next. Do you have anything for us this week, Warda?
1: So I'm going to recommend two resources. The first one is a book called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ulu Ijeoma. And I apologize. I don't know the pronunciation of her name exactly. But this is a fantastic book, especially um, I listened to it. I did not get to complete it. I had to return it to the library. But I highly recommend I do plan to finish it. It was actually rated one of the best books of um, the year it came out. And now more and more people are uh, finding it because of all What's happening in current events. And it just, it's just a wonderful conversation of just explaining to you about the concept of privilege, talking about how we can have these conversations with colleagues and friends and coworkers. And even though she's talking about, you know, specifically minorities, African Americans, um, black people, it does extend to all communities. And even in our conversation here with racism and discrimination against Muslim women who are wearing hijab or Muslim moms. So, if you want to, if you're looking for a good book on the topic, I highly recommend. So you want to talk about racism. So the second resource is a racism talk toolkit. This was made by Yaqeen Institute. It's a couple pages PDF, but it's a great resource for leaders um, in the community, whether it's khati people who are speaking to the community, imams, or just, you know, any kind of person who's leading people in any capacity, it um, guides them on the topic of racism, and just how they can navigate talking about it in the community in the Muslim community. So it's a free PDF, just search racism talk toolkit, Yaqeen Institute.
0: Very good. Those are two very good resources. Uh, For my what's next, I would suggest that everyone try to practice situational awareness which means being aware of your surroundings and having the ability to act quickly. The next time you're out and about by preemptively scanning where you are, especially in a parking lot or in a parking garage, you can avoid becoming a target inshallah. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always be good to yourself. To support this podcast, please rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts for feedback, Topic ideas, or just to continue the conversation, email us at Muslim Moms Podcast at gmail.com. dot com. Assalamualaikum.